We're in John chapter 20 today. It's a passage of scripture that Katie read so beautifully. You know, laughter, laughter is good, isn't it? Laughter is a wonderful thing. Laughter in some ways provides healing to our souls. And one reason that laughter is so good is because all around us, there's chaos. All around us, there is chaos. And it's interesting as we read the story of the resurrection, that surrounding the event that is the greatest event in human history, the resurrection of God in the flesh from the dead, there is chaos. Did anybody notice that? There's chaos around the empty tomb. It's incredible to think about, and frankly, I have never seen it until I was studying for this morning in the way that I see it now, and it's in every one of the Gospels. And here in verse 11, we read that Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. I mean, we celebrate today that there's an empty tomb, but Mary is weeping outside the tomb, and she wept as she looked into the tomb. Mary comes to the tomb And she's grieving because of the death of Jesus. And now she weeps. Why? Because the body is missing. Verse 13, she's spoken to by angels sent by God. And they say to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, well, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, if someone that you love passes and you are unable to find the body, there's great stress, there's pain, there's agony. Any peace that is in your heart has been disrupted. And during this time for the Jews, any abuse or neglect of the dead is a shocking event. It's a shocking thing. It's interesting to think about this idea that there's chaos in our world and there was chaos and a lack of peace at the tomb Because we can find other places in the Bible where there's chaos, where things aren't working quite like they are supposed to be working. Maybe you can think of an event in your own life where things were just really out of sorts. Nothing went the right way. Well, if we could flash back all the way to the very first human beings to live, Adam and Eve, we would see this moment in which chaos enters into humanity, enters into the world. And what happens when there's chaos in our world and chaos in our hearts, sometimes we hide from God. It's an interesting part of that story about creation in Genesis chapter 3. God has created all things. He's brought form and function to that which had no form and no function. And then he, as a part of his creation, creates man and woman, and he tells them, you get to be fruitful and multiply, procreate, lots of babies, And you also get to rule over the animals. There's only one thing you can't do, and that is you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he gives them an instruction that they are to obey. Well, we read in Genesis chapter 3 that they disobeyed God. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What they were ultimately doing was uh, trying to take the place of God, taking the place of worship. They had become, in their own minds, idols of worship. God comes looking for them. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says, And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I want you to know that this is really strange. God had created them to enjoy the garden, to enjoy his presence, unhindered, peaceful environment. There was to be peace in their hearts and order. Things were working perfectly. But for some reason, there's chaos. No longer are they gladly in the presence of God, but they're hiding from God. So the Lord called out to the man and said, where are you? Adam and Eve had chaos in their hearts that kept them from enjoying the presence of God. It begs the question, well, how did their hearts get that way? Well, the reason that their hearts got that way was because they chose their own way. They chose a way of chaos instead of choosing God's way, the way of peace. It wasn't supposed to be that way for them, nor is it supposed to be that way for us. Do you know that when God created humans, there was peace in the world and peace in their hearts? Everything worked the way God intended. In fact, when God was creating things, at the end of each event, he would declare, it is good, it is right. Things are working just the way I intend them to work. But Adam and Eve rebelled against God and it brought into humanity chaos. In the beginning, God created things good, right, and peaceful. But they, they are now broken and separated. There is a disruption of the peace that God intended. They disobeyed God. Rather than choosing God's way, they chose their own way, which was a way of chaos. Do you know, um, and I, I can say this from not only the scriptures, but from my experience as a pastor, when a person has a chaotic heart, they, they tend to want to hide from God. When people have chaos in their hearts, they tend to want to hide from the presence of God. They don't feel warmly welcomed by God. In fact, to say a song like, to sing a song like, your love is strong, feels uncomfortable sometimes to people if there's chaos in their hearts. Because that is a confession that God loves them. And sometimes when we have chaos in our hearts, we hide from God. We don't welcome God's presence in our life, nor do we enter into the presence of God gladly. There's chaos. But inside every single person, there is a longing for the chaos to go away and for that person to experience peace. We have a longing to return to the garden. Whether or not you realize it or would say it in that way, you and I have a longing to return to the original, to the garden. We long for the things in our heart and the things around us to be described as peaceful. We do. We, we long for things to work in which the way that we were that they are supposed to work. But most people don't know how to get to that place of peace, so we try to find our own way. We pursue things that we think might restore the peace. We become so committed to these pursuits that we give ourselves to these things and we eventually turn them into idols of worship. Now, just for a moment, I want to talk about this idea of an idol of worship because uh, we must identify these kinds of things in our own life to appreciate the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. Um, in the Bible, Old Testament, idols were 
oftentimes physical representations of false gods. In fact, when God was rebuking a group of people for having an idol, he would say, burn your idols, throw away your idols. There were physical idols that they had representing their beliefs. They would build a shrine and dedicate it to one of these false gods, putting faith in that physical object. Uh, But the idols are powerless to save. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 20 says, Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. The Bible says that idols are nothing. Images are a fraud. They have no breath in them, the Bible says. They are worthless. That's out of Jeremiah. They're lifeless. We do the same thing. John Calvin, a respected Christian leader, said that our, I, our hearts are an idle factory. We long for peace. So we set up these objects to worship in hopes that our worship of them can bring us peace. Our hearts are producing idols all of the time. And really, the four kinds of idols that man tries to return to the garden through. There's, there's four kinds. Okay, just briefly, here, here's what they are. The power idol. Maybe you can identify with some of these. And even if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, our hearts drift towards these idols at times. Four, four types of idols that man in, uses to try to return to the garden. The power idol. The power idol is about control. Maybe this is yours. You're all about gaining control. You want to use this phrase, I can overpower others around me. So for you, your life is all about accumulating power and position and influence and success. You would say, I deserve the credit for all the positive things around me. It's hard for you to see somebody else get credit for something that you were a part of. For you, the power idol is a false hope that if you would just accumulate more power, more control, more position, then somehow that would restore peace in your heart and peace in the world around you. That's an idol. Or how about the approval idol? The approval idol is really about relationships. We're consumed with finding our approval in what other people think about us. And we think if we could just find one person who loves me just right, in just the right kind of a way, then we will have peace in our heart and peace in our world around us. The approval idol is about achieving in the midst of our peers. It's about reaching that milestone where we can say, yes, everybody knows I'm great. It's about looking one way that you think other people will desire. So we really give our lives to to a work that is getting other people to approve who we are. That's an idol. Or how about the comfort idol. The comfort idol is all about pleasure. It's all about finding that one activity that would bring peace to our hearts and peace in the world around us. It's about excess and indulging. It's about recreation. Uh, I can find an entertainment where if I just am entertained enough in the right way by this kind of entertainment, then there'll be peace in my heart and peace in the world around me. I mean, here we are 
NBA playoff season. Are there any NBA fans in here? Basketball fans? Okay. More than I expected. Thank you. You get a special crown in heaven for being some of the remaining NBA fans in the world. The Houston Rockets are looking good this season. They play just a few blocks away. They live around here. And no, I don't drive in front of their house and pray regularly. I know this. There's this part of me that believes if they were to win the Western Conference Championship and then the NBA Championship, there's this part of me that's, that's whispering, if they would just do that, Russell, you would experience such peace in your heart. There would be peace in the city. There would be peace in the city. People, the poor would give to the rich. The rich would give to the poor. The lion would lay down with the lamb in this city if the Houston Rockets would just win. And so I'm praying that they would win. Anybody else praying that they would win? I mean, just confess. Thank you, brothers and sisters up in this place. All right. So, so we, sometimes we do that. I mean, it's silly, but sometimes we think if we find just the right kind of entertainment, and we give ourselves to that. And if I could just fine-tune my golf game just right, then there'll be peace in my heart and peace in the world. And we're all about pleasure. That's another idol, is that comfort idol. And then how about a fourth one, the security idol? If I've not stepped on enough of your toes, I'm already feeling convicted even as I'm saying these things. The security idol can be about finances. If I can just get my finances to this place, then there'll be peace in my heart and peace in the world around me. I get just enough money or just the right house or I get my kids in just the right school or have just the right number of kids. If I can be protected, the security idol is about protection. I, if I could just get into a place where there's never a chance where anyone could ever harm me, if I could just find that place, then there'll be peace in my heart and peace in the world around me. The security idol is also about family. If my family would just do everything that I know that they should do, each individual. Does anybody in here think that they know what everybody else in their family should do just to make things peaceful? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm there too. They would just listen to me. There will be peace in my heart and peace in the world around us, and there'll be peace in their hearts. I feel like that. I mean, I have got four children, and there are times I'll be right honest. There's chaos in my house. And I will say, if you would just listen to me and do exactly as I say, and if on a crazy day where God's anointing is on my voice, and I say that to them, and they obey, there is peace. But you know what? It doesn't last. It never lasts. My wife and I one day will be saying, Oh, this home, these kids, we love it. Thank you, Lord. And the next day, we'll be like Googling adoption agencies, you know, like. (laughs) These are idols, the power idol, the approval idol, the comfort idol, the security idol. Our hearts are an idol factory. And these things are not bad. Having a good family and caring about what your family does and says and how they operate is not a bad thing. Being in relationships and wanting a healthy marriage relationship, that's not a bad thing. Working on a good relationship, of course that's not a bad thing. Having money and working hard to accumulate money and trying to prepare for the future, that's not a bad thing. Of course I would never say that those things in and of themselves are bad. But here is the chaos. When we make these good things God, that is chaos. 
And it is crushing to realize that these things cannot give us the peace we long for. So you know what we do? We medicate with these things in excess. Just going to a sports event is not enough, so we medicate with excessive amounts of alcohol or drugs to give us an even greater experience of it. We can't find peace in our relationship with our spouse, so we go find another one. We can't find peace in our job, and it's not moving us along quite quickly enough financially, and so we move from one job to the next, to the next, to the next. What is that? That is chaos, and we were not meant to live this way. This is why Jesus came, and this is why he had to die to restore peace, to provide salvation, because any choosing of something other than worshiping God is sin. It's not what God intends. So the way back to the garden, the way back to peace, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to these words from Jesus. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Our church is about rest for the weary and peace for the city. Are you weary Are you tired of pursuing these idols that are leaving you empty and lifeless? It is a gift from God that Jesus meets us in the chaos. When Mary was standing in front of that tomb, she wept. But Jesus met her there. Verse 14, John 20 says, She turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know who it was. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? You know that Jesus meets us in the chaos. It's running through my mind some of your stories and how even recently in your own heart and in the world around you there was absolute chaos. And you didn't have to go looking for Jesus in that moment You wouldn't have, you couldn't have. But do you know that Jesus meets us in the chaos? This is the good news of the Bible. His resurrection makes the peace possible. It makes it possible for us to be freed from this exhausting pursuit of peace through some other way than placing our faith in him through whom we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, since we have been justified through our faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we celebrate a risen Savior, because it makes peace possible. It gives us a way to return to the garden. So let me ask you a question. How will you respond this Easter How will you respond? Some people will choose to hide from God. Like Adam and Eve did in the garden. You'll hide. You're hiding. But do you know that God meets you there? Even when you're hiding, he calls out your name. And you say, you know, I'm just too bad. I hear this all the time. I'm too bad. This morning there was a gentleman that came in to work out. And uh, I said to him, well, the why is closed. And he said, oh, yeah. I said, but you're welcome to stay for church. And he said, it's like this awkward, dramatic pause, but I was not backing down. I had him, you know, right in my sights. 
And he said, I didn't brush my hair. <laughs> and then he just walked out. <laughs> I was like, well, good, because we don't like messed up hair up in this place. You know, no, I, I, you know, you know, he's, you know, I'm not good enough. Maybe you say I'm too bad. Listen to this. In this room sit people who've cheated on their spouse and nearly lost their marriage. There are people that have made and spent millions of dollars on things that are ungodly. There are former gangbangers in here who dealt drugs ending up in prison. We have people in our church, a former porn star, a former dancers, former heroin addicts, a former glutton. I promise you, you are not the chief of sinners in this room. That person is already here. Jesus was raised from the dead to give people like you new life, to give you peace, to make it where the chaos that's in your heart and the world around you can, be, can be, begin to be brought back to a place of peace and order. We as a church are inviting busy people, people with busy hearts, to experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ. This is our message Some of you are going to hide, and I would want you to know that God is meeting you right there. Some of you uh, will refuse to recognize Jesus as God. Maybe you're like Mary. It's interesting in this story and quite humorous that uh, she's weeping over Jesus being gone, and then there's Jesus, and she thinks he's the gardener. How strange is this? I mean, she's so out of sorts. Her, Her heart is experiencing so much chaos that she can't even see Jesus for who he is right in front of her. Jesus is saying, Mary. Jesus speaks her name in the midst of the chaos. I want you to know how personal God is. God is very personal. It was her religious activity that took her to the tomb. She went down there to do what religious Jews do with someone that's deceased. But what she got in the midst of her religious behavior was a very personal Savior. And in the midst of the chaos, he calls out her name. What I hope that all of you will do is recognize Jesus as the risen Lord. When Mary Magdalene heard her name spoken, she knew that this was the Messiah. And she says, she clings to him, the scripture says. And then Jesus says, okay, relax, there's more work to do, basically. And so she goes off and she tells other people, I have seen the Lord. She recognizes him as a risen Savior, and that changes everything. So maybe you're weary And what I would want you to hear this morning, the message of this church and of this Bible is that Jesus meets you in the chaos. Through Christ, you can begin experiencing the kind of peace that he talks about in John 14 when he says, I have brought peace. We will never fully experience what was experienced in the garden until Jesus returns to set right all that's been broken by sin. But we can know in our hearts that we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is why we celebrate a risen Lord. This is why we celebrate on Easter. 
to close, I want to tell you a story that's a favorite story of mine to tell at Easter. One of the things that our church is involved in is a work in the Horn of Africa. And so I've been able to go there a few times and work with our members that are living there and serving and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and also helping people with food and medical aid. And it's an incredible experience, a life-changing experience. And one of the things that always amazes me each time I go in terms of its difference between there and here is how in that place, for a Muslim person to convert to Christianity, they are bringing on themselves uh, condemnation from their friends and their family. There are stories that I've heard where when somebody converts to Christianity, they'll be drug out to the city center and killed. They'll be at, maybe that's the worst, but at the very least disowned from their family, kicked off the family land. They'll be rejected. They'll be despised by people. And a few years ago when I went to Africa, I had the opportunity to talk through a translator with this, this African gentleman who was very prominent now in the growing church that was there. And prominent, I mean influential, because he'd shared his story over and over. And lots of people have come to receive Christ through his, his work there. And I knew a little bit of his backstory before we began to talk. And what I'd known about him is that whenever he converted to Christianity, he uh, was ostracized by his family. He lost everything. But yet God met him in the midst of that chaos and continues to use him to this day. But I asked him, I said, I said, sir, I mean, how, how can you do that? I mean, just being honest. From somebody who lives in America who, who really, we're, we are consumed with comfort and security and approval and these things. How, how is it that you were able to to choose the way of Christ, knowing what it would cost you. He told me this little parable. He said, he said, imagine that you were on a journey. And along that journey, there came a fork in the road. And at the end of one way was nothing. And at the end of another way, there was a risen Savior. Which way would you go? He chose the way of the Christ because Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the apex or the center of our gospel message, and it is a message of good news, a message that brings peace and hope in the midst of chaos. Let's pray together.